everybody, and welcome to Football Furioso, your number one resource for everything going on with the Premier League, the women and men's national football team, all sorts of stuff. I am your host, Norris Howard, joined by Nolan, the left back. What's up, my guy? Hey, feeling good, you know? a lot going on can't wait to talk about it yeah it's been a lot of matches going on and obviously we are going to talk a lot about the world cup but we do want to start with premier league preseason very exciting stuff going on we're getting a big look at a lot of the top teams in the premier league so before we dive deep into the 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 great abyss that is the women's <laughs> world cup uh, let's talk about some of this preseason stuff. Now, obviously, one of the big matches over the past week was Man United versus Arsenal. Nolan, how did this match sort of pan out? Honestly, it, it kind of played out to about as close as you can get to like a regular game. Honestly, it felt like it was played with um, a lot of energy. I feel like both teams honestly wanted to win. And I do think that tactically they both lined up about as close as they could to see exactly where they're almost 11 pans out against another almost 11. So I feel like it was a good, um, a good test for both teams. I'm going to be honest. I actually think Manchester United's midfield performed way better than I thought they would, especially in that first half. Mm -hmm. I think in that first half, both teams kind of went, you know, head up and right. it was, and it was pretty even outside of a couple of really big errors. Right. Uh, the first goal Ramsdale goes down to save the ball, doesn't get it cleanly. It rolls in. And the second one is just, boneheadedness boneheadedness you know Gar uh, gabrielle <laughs> for arsenal misses uh what should be a routine clearance yep. and then sancho's in for goal i don't like to put too much stock into preseason ever right. right like not even the community shield game like i know <laughs> some people get really like like hype for yeah, that on it. Yep. because it is a trophy like mm -hmm. i don't care what nobody's it's a trophy mm -hmm. but it's a preseason trophy so I mean, what is your assessment of, of these two teams? Obviously, I'm an Arsenal guy, so I'm a little bit more critical, a little bit more keyed in Arsenal. Mm -hmm. So, like, what is your assessment right now of, like, where Manchester United is? Because they're, even though they're kind of in the mix, they're in, like, a half rebuild. They're in, like, a baby rebuild. Like, where do you feel like they are right now? No, I, I think that they're at the point where I feel like if they get a few results early, I, I think they'll think they can contend. I think that they have the squad to at least... Um, keep up with the top four. I think that they'll be obviously right there at the four or five the entire time. But I think that over the course of the season, I think that they will try to contend the entire year, to be honest. I feel that. I mean, my my concern at this point with United was kind of my concern with Arsenal's last year, which is squad depth. Right. Right. If Rashford goes down, what happens? Exactly. You know, if Sancho, well, less, Sancho's a non-factor. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But if Rashford goes down, if Casemiro goes down for an extended period of time, you know, what happens to that squad? So I think there's still some questions there. Definitely. Now, moving forward to Liverpool, who played Carl Struller, uh, aside from Germany, that uh, I'm going to be honest, I think this is my second time ever seeing this team ever do anything. Right. Um, but Liverpool, you know, they came out and they played as one would expect them to play in a preseason match. But we got to ask this question about Trent Alexander-Arnold, man, with Liverpool. Because at this point, he's pushed so far up when he's playing in that in that sort of, I don't even want to call it like a wing-back position because wing-back entails that you defend. But at this point, he a <laughs> midfielder, bro. Right. Can yeah. we just call him a midfielder? We can, and that's why they started him there. They yeah. said, you know what, it's preseason. Just go out there and run. Just try it out. Let's just see what happens. Um, and honestly, I would give him about, 
six and a half out of ten. It wasn't really that well, you know, good. I just it was a preseason game, but I think that that midfield is too convoluted with him there. I think that it's almost too little, too late to really try him out at that position. They already have Soulsby. Now they added McAllister. I just think that overall they have to. They have to pin on that midfield so that you have that natural attack for the full season. I don't think it's time to try to experiment. I feel you. I I, I honestly think, you know, if they lose Fabinho, why not? Right? right. Because obviously he's depending on this move to Saudi Arabia that we find out may or may not happen because of his dogs. Right. I just like heard the, about that. Yeah. They don't let his, he, they not going to let his dogs like come Which out Which is a there. viable reason. I, mean, I wouldn't go either. No. Yeah. For real. If you told me my dogs couldn't come, I'm not going I'm not either. going. I'm not going. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, it sounds silly, but, you know, if they lose Fabinho, they lose, they've already lost Henderson. Right. So you kind of need to bolster that midfield. Like right. you said, they picked up a couple, but I don't know. Why not? I, I just think the only issue at this point is that nobody plays Trent's position right. like Trent. So if you put him in the midfield, now you got this big hole on that right-hand side exactly. that you just not, what, what can you really, you, you he's irreplaceable. Right. So I think that's a that's going to be a big issue. But moving forward to the official branded preseason uh, <laughs> from the Premier League, the Premier League Summer Series, uh, Chelsea versus Brighton is is a, a match that we had. And you know what? I am really liking this youth movement from Chelsea right now. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing a lot of young talent. I'm seeing high pressing, high attack rate, winning the ball, high up the field, yeah. press, press, press. It is it is reminiscent of the, the heavy metal football kind of that we <laughs> right. saw when Klopp first got to Liverpool. But, you know, if they could get Mudrick going, who we all know is a talented kid, just needs yeah. goals. Yep. That's, the, that's the thing he's missing. He needs goals. Mudrick has been looking great. Yes. Yeah, and I really think that, especially on that run where he uh, knocked it past the defender, he sped up past anything I ever expected from a preseason player. To He almost had to slow down into the, the out-of-touch line. He kicked it back in, crossed it. Obviously, it wasn't on target, but, I mean, just the talent is there for him. I think that his confidence, you can almost see the other players when he scored it and ran over to him. They almost looked, like, happy for him. He yeah. looked like he was feeling like, Maybe this is going to be okay. And I feel like he needs that to play because he needs his confidence to play. I think that that's the best part. And I think that the Nicholas Jackson assist, which we can definitely get into as well, his yeah. performance. But the assist showed that he believed in him. Mudrick kept his run and scored a good goal, honestly. I mean, speaking about Jackson, I mean, if this kid is not on the team sheet, Come this season. I mean, Chelsea has a has a history of taking those players and loaning them out at right. the beginning of the season to, you know, Italy or where else. Dude, do not let this kid become no. Tammy Abraham again. Like, do <laughs> right. not let this happen. He's so good. He he's he's he, I want this kid to get a chance. Yep. And I think Chelsea is at a crossroads right now where there's no Champions League football. Right now, you need to contend for cups and potentially getting back into those European spots. Blood some of these young kids. Exactly. You know what I mean? You're not the you're not the club right now that is splashing cash like you did last season. Right. right? That experiment failed. So mm -hmm. you clear house, got rid of everybody to Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. which I mean, you know, we could feel how we feel about Saudi Arabia. <laughs> we can't change it, right? right? But I think this is a great opportunity 
potentially for Chelsea to uh, step up. And and the thing with and they also look fantastic against Wrexham. They did uh, as well. And, and you know, obviously people say, well, it's Wrexham. They should look good, but yeah. at the same time. They looked good. But it was tactically. You saw yeah. a difference in the style. You saw the triangles. You saw the patterns that it would seem Pochettino's trying to go after, which is, hey, I have these young kids. Let them run and let them do link-up play. And I think he's actually creating his own tactics from how they're playing. I think he's really telling them just go out there, make the runs, get in behind. And I think he'll sort it out from there as he sees. Like, in Cuckoo looking good, coming off the left, coming into the box. You see Nicholas Jackson can do what it seems like, even hold up play to get Mudrick or any type of winger mm-hmm. to come in. I think that he's building it from there. So I do think Wrexham was more of a tactical, whereas the game against Brighton was almost like a rivalry game, given the Caicedo news and everything, yeah. which we've already gotten into. But yeah. Yeah. No, I think, you know, Chelsea, they, they looking good. They but are. I will say I'm still a little bit concerned about the midfield with Chelsea, obviously with the loss of Kovacic and the loss of N'Golo Kante. Right. I mean, you – I mean. They're good players. They're mm. quality players that you've lost. Obviously, Enzo's there, Enzo. but I, I just I, I don't know if that midfield has the legs to last a whole season. Right. We'll see. Exactly. Uh, and they may strengthen before the window is over. Uh, moving to Fulham and Brentford. Fulham, one of the feel-good stories of last season, a team that looked like they was destined to make <laughs> Europe only to uh, do what a newly promoted side does and, and wane off in the second half of the season. But Fulham's still a very exciting uh, a very exciting team to watch right now. They are praying to the lords above that they can hold on to 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 Paulinia, right? Because West Ham is knocking, and they, they got money to spend. Yep. But they played Brentford, uh, and and they looked pretty all right. I'll say. I thought it was a pretty evenly matched game. Same. I think that both teams are due honestly for a little bit of a step up this season. I think Fulham are starting to say, "Hey, we're here." Where, where are we building? Like, now that we're here, we feel like we can be a team that can contend. We feel like we're better than the bottom three, bottom five or six teams in the league. What is our position? I feel like they see that and they're putting more belief in DeCorva. You saw him take a run in, score a goal. You're starting to see the confidence of saying, hey, I'm here. This isn't a, I have to go out and try to show as much as I can. I think that they're starting to incorporate ideas. Harry Wilson seemed he was confident on the ball. And then Brentford are just Brentford. They're they're the busy bees. I think that they're there and they're they're going to be a contention in most games. I think mid table for both, but pretty good team. I think mid table for both, but I mean, when you take away Ivan Tony's goals from this team, right? You know, I mean, I'm not sure, man. Like, I think they're going to have to play very well against a lot of teams uh in, in order to in order to retain that spot i'm not saying that i think brentford will go down i think they're too well coached right. to go down to be perfectly honest with you but um to say that they're not going to miss a striker of ivan tony's caliber is yeah. just it's just not true and and it's dumb. is is so <laughs> stupid so as stupid. to why he's not playing <laughs> that i just I, I, for those who don't know ivan tony striker for uh brentford leading striker up Potentially could have been an England English international, you know. Probably should have went to the last World Cup. Honestly, let's be honest. Uh, caught up has a gambling ban now. Um, so how many games did he get? He got a ton of games. What was he it, got like a lot of games? Yeah, it was is a lot the of point. Games. It was a lot. <laughs> so he will not be uh in the picture for Brentford for quite a while. And and just to add on, I do think Mwemo will have to step up. I think that yeah. he's a player that was scoring or at least 
applying attacking chances just as but much they're as they're like Tony. a strike partnership though exactly that's and the that's thing is yep. like you know they play it off each other a lot because you know ivan tony won a lot of balls balls in the air and then Bomo will run in behind exactly. and clean it up but you know when you don't have that guy in the middle who could win those first balls like i i don't know exactly that's why i think he's gonna have to say you know i'm about to be Tony and Buemo I'm gonna together. Have to be that guy. <laughs> I gotta do everything. I think they're gonna look to him because they know he's been in the squad long enough and he was there. He scored he's goals as well. He's gonna have to change so. change his name we'll to see. him and Buemo. <laughs> him and Buemo. Him and Buemo. <laughs> anyway, uh, final match we're gonna talk about from the summer series: Newcastle versus Ashton Villa. Now, obviously, uh, this was a three-three draw, but tons to talk about. One of these is that two goals from Emi Buendia. Villa again, a team that. Low key, people better keep their eyes out mm -hmm. for, for Villa this season. I think they're going to be very strong. I think they're so well coached. Unai Emery is the type of coach where he needs no pressure on him, no expectations. <laughs> right. I think Arsenal was a little too large for him. I think he's still a very good coach. PSG, too large for him. Villa is the type of club he should be at. You know, mid-sized club, club with history. Still got some solid players, but not a selling club. Right. And I, I think, you know, the more we see this team play under Unai Emery, the more we'll see we'll see them sort of grow and mature. But obviously, I know you're big on Newcastle. You follow Newcastle quite a bit. Uh, we had goals from Isak and Callum Wilson. So I want to ask you this question. Is a player like Callum Wilson, is he ready to make this, this Champions League jump, man? You know, I think so. I had said it before. I know we've had our quarrels and talks about it. I really believe that Callum Wilson is more of the lifeblood, not in a, such a way talent-wise, but his energy and what he brings to it. I think that Isak, obviously you have Almiron, you have these great players that are there that are playing at a high level. I just think that Callum Wilson is a player that while there, he will do a good job of holding the team together and he will want to play for the club. That's right. how I feel. I mean... <sighs> I do think every club needs that. Every club needs a player who is a club player. Right. He's he's the guy who's just been there and will be there. Right. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I really like that. And I mean, for the longest, you know, even, you know, like with, with Spurs, it was it was Harry Kane. You know, like right. Harry Kane will never leave. Well, he leaving. Yeah. So now it's human son. Human son will never leave. I don't know. Don't know. So, I mean, it, it's just those questions of, you know, is Callum Wilson that guy if they're not in the top four or potentially contending for a Champions League spot around the Christmas time, you know, break, around the Christmas break, will they be looking to maybe replace a Callum Wilson? Will they be looking to kind of bolster the attack? We don't know. But I do know that they haven't made a ton of moves in the offseason, right. and they got a lot of football coming up. Yes, a lot. So I, I think Newcastle – Honestly, probably is in the most danger of losing that top four spot. They're a very good team. We know they got the Saudi Arabia money behind them. So we know they can replenish <laughs> the ranks. Right. Definitely. But I am concerned about for, you know, this season, can they keep up with the pace of, you know, the cities, the Arsenals, the Manchester United? And, and quiet as it's kept, uh, you know, if Liverpool steps up, if Villa steps up. So, you know, I don't know. But. That's going to be that for our chat about the Premier League Summer Series as well as some of the preseason matches. There's one more week of preseason uh, coming up, and then there's obviously going to be the Community Shield match between Arsenal and City. 
obviously we'll be talking about that when it happens. Can't but I, I can't wait either. I can't wait it's either. It's going to be interesting. It is going to be interesting if Arsenal don't get blown away again. Right. Uh, but <laughs> we'll be right back with more Football Furioso. So stick around. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Football Furioso, your host, Norris Howard here, joining alongside Nolan the Wing back. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> he missed his he missed his mark a little bit, but that's okay. Just a little bit. That's okay. We're all still learning. Uh, don't forget that you can find us anywhere where you find your podcast. That's on Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Stitcher, I think. So anyway, whatever. We're going to be at a bunch of places. Everywhere. Uh, And don't forget to follow us at Football Furioso. But it's the World Cup going on, so you know what time it is. It's called soccer. That is right. Team USA getting off to a great win against Vietnam. 3-0. Sophia Smith is the truth, bro. The truth. She is the truth. She's the truth. I I don't even know what to say. I feel like the moment that she got on the ball, every time I was like, it's a go. And it was a go. She took every single thing she did on the pitch was with confidence. And that's really hard. You can't teach that. You You can't can't teach confidence. And I'm going to be honest with you. She reminds me of a certain Alex Morgan when she was the youngster on the scene and came around and people were talking about how confident she was for her age and how she was burying the goals and was next up. And sure enough, she became one of the greatest players in, in, in U.S. history. So, you know, I am very excited for this U.S. team. A lot of people are really down on them right now because they didn't blow Vietnam away by 10 goals like how they did Thailand last time around. Right. But to be perfectly honest with you, everyone in the world is better yes. than they were four years ago. And obviously we'll get into that. There was a lot of there's some upsets. There were teams who overperformed. There were teams who underperformed four years ago who finally picked it back up. So everybody, I think, is just a little bit better than they were. Yes. And I don't think we're going to see the 7, 8, 9, 10. The 11 nil Thailand. That's not going to happen That's not again. happening anymore. That's, That's not, not going to happen anymore. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I do want to get I, I ask you one more thing about the the USA, the USA team. Uh, is that, you know, they were missing a couple players. Rose Lavelle did not start. Megan Rapinoe did not start. Rapinoe probably won't start for the duration of the tournament, especially if Sophia Smith is playing the way she's playing. But, dude, Rose Lavelle in that midfield, bro. She bossed it around. She, the moment that she came on, she was instant energy. She got forward. She also tracked back on defense. And she really kept the pressure on the Vietnamese team. And it was the moment that she got on, I felt like the game's won. Yeah. Was it still 2-0 at that point? Would you say it was completely out of touch? No. But once she came on, started making those runs, she like, had a good ball into Rapino, even though she missed it. It which, was like, this is over. Yeah, I was like, this is over. This the, way is she over. Was, the Vietnamese looked defeated. She came on with energy, running past defenders. I just feel like she can boss the midfield around. I think when she wants to, she can turn it on. I think they're, they might be using her in the perfect um, way. Yeah, I love Rose Lavelle because she's a perfect example of somebody who looks like they should not be good at football, Right? who looks like they should not be good at any sport. 
Right. But oh, lo and behold, here she is, one of the greatest midfielders of her generation. Yep. Um, and and I love that. Uh, so we're gonna stick with Group E and talk about Netherlands, Portugal. I'm going to be honest. This game was very disappointing. It was. It was very disappointing. And I'm gonna be honest with you, the Netherlands without Vivian Miedema do not look like they up for it, man. They, they came away with the win against Portugal. Portugal has no defense or midfield to speak of. At all. To be perfectly honest <laughs> with you, they got a strong partnership with the two Silvas, uh, uh, Jessica and uh, Diana, but they they offered not much in the rest of the phases of the game, and the Netherlands did not capitalize whatsoever. They didn't, and the Netherlands only won 1-0 again. It wasn't anything that gave me optimist to think, hey, we might be up to a game with them coming up. I really believe that will they see the USA and say, maybe we need to play better. They turn might, it up. Yeah, yeah, they might try to turn up a little bit against us. But to be honest, I don't believe much in them at all. <laughs> I mean, and that's sad to say about the Netherlands because obviously you still have players like Lika Martins right. who who can kind of be that shadow striker and, and, and trail in and, and get the second ball or get the late ball. And I love the way she plays. And she played well, but it's like, not those dominating performances that I think the Netherlands is capable of. Right. It's like they're the team, like the Netherlands in England are like the perfect like reflections of like their men's sides. Yes. Like of just like <laughs> these chronic I mean, the women's side just won the Euros, but historically just like these yeah, chronically underachievers. underachievers. You exactly. know what I'm saying? And so it's like, ah, I just <laughs> I just obviously we play them and I want us to beat them like handedly but i also feel like oh man they should be so much better than what they are yes um so there's going to be a lot to look forward to uh the u.s play the netherlands uh coming up this week uh that's a wednesday night match uh prime time eastern time usa so it should be uh exciting for a lot of people to check out i'm gonna be i'm gonna be i think i'm being like freaking toronto or something so like i'll be on my couch yeah so i'm gonna <laughs> have to find like a pub somewhere in toronto and, and check That'll it out interesting. yeah <laughs> i don't know if i'm gonna find it um it's moving forward we're gonna take it all the way back to group a to our upset the first match of the Women's World Cup, New Zealand versus Norway. New Zealand walks away with it in the 48th minute tap-in from Wilkinson. This was so fantastic, wasn't it? It was so fantastic. And if you remember, last week I called it. I said New you Zealand. You did. You called They're going to play up. They're at home 1-0. Not saying that it was that impressive overall. I mean, they didn't blow them away. But I think that they played hard up until the end. I think Jackie Han had a good game. I think that it was a lot of pressure on them to play well and I think that the players came together really well and said hey I know it's Norway they're a good team but we're at home and let's play above our standards and what was wonderful is this is New Zealand's first World Cup win ever they do it at home <laughs> at home like come on can't man. Write like, better script. this is what we watched <laughs> this for it's so fantastic and I loved seeing it the energy in that stadium was exciting also in group a switzerland three nil over the philippines not much to talk about their expected win but again as we said score line is three nil it's not eight or nine nil as you know we've as seen we expected, yep. in games past uh but moving forward to group b australia versus ireland again a game that was just dogged i mean two teams that really wanted to win from this uh penalty 
I, I'm gonna be honest, Callie buried this uh Catley, excuse me, buried this penalty and it was like the only good penalty we've seen so far, like in the whole World Cup. It was like a penalty in every game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and you know, Australia, obviously the co host of the tournament. I was actually really impressed with Ireland during this match. Right. I thought they were going to get blown away, honestly, by, by Australia, but they didn't. They held strong and honestly could have pulled it back in the dying embers of the match, but didn't um, happen, yeah. Didn't happen. That's what happens. Moving forward to the most shocking nil-nil draw of the tournament. Of all time. <laughs> like, of all time. Um, we get a draw as Nigeria tie Canada. Nandozi puts on arguably the best. I mean, she was like Memo Ocho in net. Yes. I mean, she was a stone wall. She stopped everything coming at her. Christine Sinclair gets a penalty. Would you think this should be money? Bang, saves the penalty. Saves the penalty. I mean, Canada only managed. This is Canada we're talking about. This is one of the top 10 teams in the world. Only managed three shots on goal, bro. And I think it's an testament to what they were doing defensively. You had the goalkeeper in the back. You and me play. Sometimes there just has that day where you see the goalkeeper and you try a couple of shots against them. The defense is playing hard and you, you get that one opportunity. And when you see it block, sometimes it deflates you, stops that momentum. And I, I really think that that it was a tough game. I think this is going to be very interesting to see how this group pans out now. Yeah, I mean, Group B is completely up in the air. The thing also to me with this Nigerian team is that Oshwala just could not get anything going on the front for 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 her squad. And I think if you if she's able to even just get on the ball a little bit more, and the thing is, is I think a team like Australia will try to attack more and will try to impose themselves a little bit more, which will leave them a little bit more open. And I'm not sure if Australia and Ireland have the athleticism that Canada has right. in order to track back or to push somebody like Oshwell off the ball. So Nigeria may have a chance to get out this group. They do. And I mean, but that also means you either got Canada or Ireland not making it, which would be insane. Insane. <laughs> insane. We... I think that Canada will somehow pull it through, but I'm looking for sparks in this group. Mm -hmm. Move forward to Group C, one of our few blowouts of the tournament so far. Japan beat Zambia, who was supposed to be a surprise in this tournament, their first ever appearance. Um, nah, man. Japan said nah. 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 They activated their egos, <laughs> and they found their <laughs> weapons. They finally devoured each other. They, yep, yep, yep. They they devoured each other, and they learned that they were the masters of the blue lock. And <laughs> I mean, just just decimated Zambia. Decimated. This was not close by any stretch of the imagination. Well, it was the midfield. They had five midfielders: Nagano, um, Asagawa. They all bossed the midfield and pretty much kept the game almost on that side of the pitch for the entire 90 minutes. Yeah. Zero shots on target for Zambia, 25 for Japan. I mean, obviously, you're never going to win that way without having a single shot on target. But it wasn't because of necessarily the defense. It was because of the midfield. That's how good they were. The link-up play was perfect up front. And I mean, what else can you say? 5-0. For real. <laughs> Just to you know what I'm saying? So also two goals from Miyazawa. Um, she was fantastic on the day, but you're right, man. The incisive passing 
was just destructive. Yeah. I mean, there were some sequences that Japan put against Zambia, and I was just like, dog, this, am I watching Barcelona? What right. is this, dog? <laughs> like, it was just very deflating to watch if you were a fan of, of Zambia. But, you know, obviously we said that Japan will be the favorites probably coming out of this group. They haven't. They haven't changed anybody's mind they they we know they're a strong team they're going to be a strong team and come out of this group mm -hmm. also in that group spain beat costa rica three nil spain do what spain do control the possession you know get some clever goals i'm very happy to see bon Mati back in this side she's a fantastic player barcelona uh, player and here's the thing spain ain't at full strength they aren't there's still a number of players that will not be at this tournament because they have, uh, you know, personal grievances with, with the manager. But imagine this Spain at full strength. I mean, they probably will walk away with this group. But now I think you look at it and you say, all right, the Spain-Japan game just determines who comes out on top. Exactly. And I think that game will be huge. Again, it's going to be played at the main stadium. 80,000 supporters yep. or, or so. I think it's going to be a big match. I think that both midfields, again, Bamadi played perfectly. I think that it's going to be an interesting game, especially given the formations where both have bolstered midfields and strikers that seem to shadow, like you said before, get behind it and try to make those goals. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I'm going to be watching from moment zero <laughs> to minute 90. Yeah. Also, could have been 4-0, but another saved penalty. So, you know, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm managers at the World Cup right now, like, you know what y'all been doing all weekend. Right. Is shoot pins. Penalties. Shoot pins. You Almost don't even want to take a penalty. Don't even die. Just yeah, stay up. <laughs> yeah, just because if you don't want to take it, just stay up. But anyway, uh, Group D moving forward. England versus Haiti. This Haiti gained so many fans. Mm -hmm. Even though they lost, they gained so many fans. England doing what England do and everybody hyping them the hell up, talking about how good they are. Obviously, they're missing. Tons of key players as well through injury. Right. I'm going to be fair, but I'm also going to say it's not coming home. It's not. It's not coming home again. Again. <laughs> every year, we every World Cup, we got to go through this. Every And it's usually after the first game, ironically. It's an underachieving first game that shows exactly what we're going to see for the rest of the tournament. Credit to Haiti, though. We, we can talk about England, but Haiti played well and hard the entire game, especially the goalkeeper at Curly Thos. She played very well, stopped a lot of shots. It mm -hmm. definitely could have been more, but they played up to it. Again, that margin is so much smaller this year. Yeah. And I it, think that they need to be careful. Everybody. Everybody does. <laughs> and, and Haiti actually had a chance to equalize in the 82nd minute, but ultimately that was stopped. But, you know, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, Haiti looking at this it is a team that probably still won't get out of the group, especially when you look at Denmark and China, which, are, in my opinion, was, was probably one of the matches of the week. I mean, it mm -hmm. was fantastic to watch. Uh, but Haiti is a team that I think if they get a goal early or they get a goal and go ahead of somebody, I don't know. Because they looked like a team that was pretty high on confidence even though they went down. So I was very excited about that. So speaking about Denmark and China, I mean, it took to the 89th minute to break the deadlock. Mm -hmm. Again, how much did we say it? The rest of the world ain't just catching up to the U.S., it's everybody else also catching up to the European powers as well. Denmark, nobody's favorite, but a very even <laughs> match. And a very exciting match, and I think China also played up to the occasion. Yes, and I think that the wings 
are going to be something that they focus on. Lin Yin Zhang sparked up the left wing the entire game. And it seemed like they were able to get through those channels and it gave them confidence, which I think helped throughout the match. I think a lot of these teams that are mid-pack, obviously some of those that aren't expected out of the group, are playing up because they know, hey, we might only get <laughs> one three game. games. Yeah, we only get one game to maybe win. And when you look at it and you say, hey, it's Denmark, well, they haven't scored either. Let's go for it. And then obviously lost it late. But I think that they have confidence. Every team, it seems like that you think, hey, this is a 5-0 game, seem to come out with confidence. And every group is seem to be more open. That's right, man. And moving forward into France versus Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, this match, give Jamaica all the credit, all mm -hmm. the credit, because France was supposed to go in and demolish them. This was not supposed to be close. They were supposed to smash them. They were supposed to smash them. Yeah, and Jamaica did well with energy, um, defensive-wise. Goalkeeper did very well the entire time. There were a lot of crossed balls. France had plenty of shots, and they just faltered mm -hmm. <laughs> no other way to explain it other than the energy of jamaica yeah i mean you know a lot of the players that you know i expected to step up you know marjorie didn't step up obviously they don't have delphine cascarino who i think is a major loss for them in the attack in terms of the energy and right. getting you know balls in on the wing but the whole attacking third just did not click for France in this match. And I think a lot of that has to do with the defensive work that Jamaica put in. But also, I think it just it, it just wasn't coming off for them. But uh, Jamaica, uh, they are going to potentially, not potentially, they're going to be without uh, their star striker, Bunny Shaw, uh, for the match against Panama, which is a, I think could be a slippery slope. Yeah. Uh, Jamaica is going to have to go out and they're going to have to be aggressive against Panama and they're going to have to try to get early goals because while Panama got blown the hell away <laughs> by Brazil, um, I don't necessarily think that that was a reflection on how good or bad they were. I just think this Brazil team is arguably one of the best Brazil teams that we've seen because some of those talismanic players they're either gone or they're not as talismanic as they used to be. Right. So now they can play with more fluidity. But, but on Jamaica, I think ultimately they will win against Panama, but they do have to be more aggressive. Definitely. And I think Panama, again, playing with with energy. I yeah. think they will come in and say, look, we see they're depleted, missing Bunny Shaw. I think that both teams, this is going to make or break both of the teams yeah. in this game. So Yeah. Moving forward to that Brazil-Panama match, uh, Ari Borges' hat trick. In your World Cup debut. Like, think, I mean, come on, man. Fantastic. I mean, the headed goal, I mean, it, the first goal is a free header, mm -hmm. you know, out here on the, out there on the right hand post. Great cross that came in. She buries it. The second goal, just a dogged goal, staying, staying on your feet, looking for the second ball, looking for the deflections. And the third one, again, is just class, just making a good run, getting in there and getting ahead on the ball. And, you know, I, it was a beautiful sight because she scores a first goal. She can't even celebrate. Right. She just falls to her knees and just cries. <laughs> Over, overcome just, with, <laughs> with emotions. Yeah, and I love that, man, because it's like, again, you know, when you, watch the, when you watch the men's game, you know, everything is so rote, you know, especially when you watch the Premier League or La Liga or everything. Like, yeah. These guys did the op. They don't show some emotions. Right. I scored a goal. Like, you know. <laughs> right, it's, exactly. It's, no emotions. Yeah, it's cool, but it's not the same, you know, as the World Cup, you know. And so to see that was just fantastic. But 
I mean, good Lord. Well, Brazil. I think Brazil all comes down to that third goal again, even though we already talked about it. That cross in and then it being knocked down by Amy Borges, who, who could have arguably went for it, and then to, to kind of roll it back for a goal just shows, again, that Brazilian class, the awareness, and how much they play with each other. Because a lot of that, it, the flair comes from playing with players you know and being comfortable on the ball. All 11 players on the field are comfortable on the ball. So when you get the ball in the box and the goal is right there and you say, hmm, my shot 92%, but 100% if I roll it back, just shows what their energy level is. And I think they're going to be dangerous in the future going forward. Yeah, and I mean, you know, former U.S. coach Pia Suntaga now coaching for Brazil. So, I mean, you know, are we looking for a matchup in the knockout stages, U.S. I'd Brazil? <laughs> I don't want it. I don't either. I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you. As a U.S. player, I don't want that match. No. You know, because I, I just think, I think this U.S. team is a team that doesn't necessarily need an easy road to the final, but I think they need at least one kind of like, oh, okay, we had to play, you know, Denmark in right. the knockout stages, right? You know, we need to just get that under our belt mm -hmm. before we start facing, you know, the Frances the or, France, the, Brazil. you know, Brazils, whatever. But you finish second in a group and you got to go up against Brazil in, in, you know, I know I don't know the seedings and all that right, right. off the top of my head. Really probably, right, it could be <laughs> impossible. Right, but um, I just look at it and I think strong team, Super, super, super confident, flying high. But that's what the men did. Yes. The men did it. And then the very next match, they fell apart. Yep. So we'll see. Uh, Group G, Sweden versus South Africa. Almost a, a, a upset. Close. Close. Yeah. South, South Africa um, gave them probably the most exciting match of the tournament overall. I think that it was very exciting. It was 1-1 for a little while. Um, obviously, they felt faltered to Sweden at the end. But I think that South Africa can take a lot from this game. I think that they had a, a good amount of attacking prowess. They got in the box. A couple of loose balls in there that they did try to knock in. Obviously, defensively straight them away. But I think South Africa looked okay. I'm going to go out and say this. I think South Africa could beat Argentina. Same. Argentina did not look good in the first game. Yeah, I think South Africa could beat Argentina. They almost took it off, like took a point off Sweden, which is, you know, again, we're talking about Sweden, one of the top ranked teams in the world. Um, so it, it's really one of those games that I was really excited to see and really happy um, that South Africa put up a put up a great fight, but ultimately Sweden Sweden took them down. Um, and you know, sometimes you got to eat those, you know, even, even the last goal, you know, a ball in a, a scrum in the box, you know, kind of right. like just the ball bouncing all over the place. It just, you can't really do anything, you, can't control that. Yeah. you know, uh, about goals like that. So moving forward, Italy, Argentina, Italy was offsides like a thousand times in the first half and put the ball in the net every time they were offsides. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, is that Italy's attack looked really strong. They looked dominant through most of the game. Uh, but Argentina don't look good. Everybody, you know, they hear Argentina, they think the other, they think them couple number 10s from a few years ago, those guys. Right. Right? You think about Messi, you think about Maradona, but unfortunately that same culture has not permeated into their women's program they're not a mainstay right now and i think that show i think this occasion was a little bit larger than them and 
that's unfortunate. You know what I mean? It is. And I think that Argentina, they almost look shaky because of that. I think that the men's game, like you said, Argentina, again, doing what they did in the World Cup themselves, I think it permeated into this game. And I think that Argentina almost looked a little skittish where they were trying to get forward. Obviously, it's the Italians. You know they're going to be a strong side. They're going to go after it. And I think that I saw a lot of those goals, a lot of those passes, again, just offsides from both sides, really. Just the whole game seemed skittish from them. And it did. I, and it, I think Christina um, Girelli ended up scoring the, the goal late, winning it, I think just kind of sums it up. Where Argentina were just a little bit off the mark. Yeah, and, and you know, I think some of these teams got to be really careful with the high line um, because the, a lot of these women, it used to be you could play high lines and, and do the offside traps and stuff like that back in the day, but these these women are too athletic. You're not going to be able to do that against, you know, Jamaica or even Panama. You saw Panama almost got put in at, at towards the end of the match right. uh, against Brazil and almost got a goal back. So you can, you're not going to be able to push those high lines up. So I, I'm, I'm right. really I'm really concerned about some of those some of the, the I almost say clubs, but some of these <laughs> countries continuing to kind of use the high line. I'm not sure. If it if it'll work out, especially for a team like Argentina, that at this point is is do or die for them. Yes. Uh, moving forward, obviously, as we recorded this, Colombia and South Korea have not played yet. I'm interested to see Colombia because Colombia had a behind closed doors match with Ireland a couple weeks ago that actually was called off because the Irish team said that the Colombians were were too violent. <laughs> they literally said that they was violent conduct during the match. I have no clue what they could have did. To we get. had to see the video. I, yeah. Someone recorded this. There's no video. There's a, there's no video I've seen. All the video that I've even heard about, like. It, you know what I'm saying? It's like it, you you got to go through the back alley somewhere. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like you can't find it. But anyway, uh, looking forward to that match and then getting to the final match uh, in group group or not the final match, but the final match of uh, this conversation: Germany, Morocco. Uh, the, oh Lord, the Germans! I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the Germans. I mean. Listen, when you have Alexandra Pop, when you have Daybridge, when you have, you know, these types of players, you expect to win, but you I'm not sure if you expect to win like that. Right. And Germany came out knowing Morocco's first World Cup. Congratulations to them, of course. Mm -hmm. But they were coming out saying, we need goals. We need confidence early. Do not take them for granted probably seeing how the other games were going and said, no, we're taking every game seriously. The the margins are a lot more slim. Let's go out and do it. And I think no answers for uh, Pop. So I think that the headers are going to go in a lot more. I think that she has confidence in the air. And I think they're going to build upon that. Yeah, they're definitely going to be a force. I think at this point, you know, it's sort of a, 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 a Cerberus of favorites between the U.S., Brazil, and Germany right now. Maybe we'll throw Japan in there as well, you know, you got to say those are the four favorites right now in the Women's World Cup. Looking forward to this second go-round of matches. Like we said, the U.S. women's team will be playing on Wednesday. They'll be going up against the Netherlands. If that game, if they walk away with that game, not only is the group over, but I think they'll be flying high in the knockout stages. Uh, but we are going to watch everything with bated breath. So stick around. We are going to close the show out talking a little bit about some transfer news or rumors going on in the top leagues in Europe. So stick around. We got more football for you. So coming up.
everybody, and welcome back to Football Furioso. Nolan, I have a question. Yes. There's transfer clouds on the horizon for a lot of people. The first thing I want to say, and I want to just get this out the way because this is insanity to me. <laughs> Killian Mbappe over the past week, uh, the saga continues now being told PSG says he's up for sale. If you want him, come get him. Well, uh, halal <laughs> in Saudi Arabia. Surprise. <laughs> surprise. 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 I mean, for them, if you say anyone's for sale, they don't even look at the tag. They just say, we want them. And that's Here comes the they monopoly, say. man. They said, hey, they got to pay his release clause. Done. It's right in the bank account. <laughs> they found the release clause in the couch. <laughs> right. That's change, bro. So, you know, the, the, the release clause was what? Three, 330, 330 million? million? Yeah, 330 million. Is that euros or dollars? I think that's euros. Euros, 330 million euros. I'm not going to do the conversion rate in my head. We Me just either. know it's a lot. Well, I do know in millions in U.S. soil, 776 is the dollar amount they're trying to pay Mbappe total for his contract for so one year. They about to pay this man Powerball numbers <laughs> for one year and then just tell him to go to Madrid after that. Yep. yep. This is the dumbest thing I've <laughs> ever heard about. This, 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 no, this is so stupid. It's it's almost beyond comprehension what we're what we're seeing right now. This man could be getting paid weekly wages of fourteen point one million dollars a week in weekly wages with All this right, contract I, for one I'm year. A, I'm gonna be honest. What what Saudi player like just takes his legs out? Like <laughs> like who who over there? Who over there? And I'm not. I would never wish that on a player. Of course, I would never. Absolutely, I would never put that like in the universe. But it's like, dude, if you coming in making 14 million a week, yeah, and, and that's without obvious incentives. I'm sure they're gonna be in there. I'm sure he's gonna have the best jet. I'm sure he's gonna have the best security. You know, you're gonna be looking at him saying no, no. <laughs> and he's gonna run past everybody. First off, yeah. <laughs> he's gonna score five goals a match, and it's not gonna mean anything. Yeah, it's just. I don't you know, know what? I, I just. I want to say this, and you know, for, especially for certain players, obviously you're Jordan Henderson's, you know, your your Golo Conte's, you know, Real Mares, all Mindy. these guys. Yeah, all these guys are kind of in the in their twilight of their careers. I don't want to say twilight, but this would probably be the last big contract they get anywhere. You know, guys in their thirties and stuff like that. I understand that. Mm -hmm. Go and get an incredibly massive bag. And set your family up for the rest of their lives. Yep. And you don't have to play that song and dance of, you know, we heard about so-and-so and they ran out of money at 50, <laughs> right? Right. You know, you don't hear about that as much anymore, but why even risk it? Right. You know, and we all know lifestyle creep is a mug. Like, yes. you know, and, and, you know, you start getting up there in age and you can't play anymore. Yeah, go and secure your final bag. Yeah, but. and I think to add on with Mbappe, I think let's say he just takes the deal, seven hundred seventy-six million. His son's son's daughters are set up forever. But in the long term, if we're just speaking in football context here, legacy's tarnished. Yes, because you take that one year off. While sure he'd still be young, would it be twenty-six by yeah. the time this will be over if he does this one-year deal? You just start to think, okay, if he goes somewhere now and gets that one year under the belt, wherever he decides to go, probably Madrid, where we all think. 
that one year matters, especially when you have a Bellingham there. We have these young players that are coming in. So obviously it doesn't take much year Mbappe. I'm sure he can fit in anywhere instantly. But I just see that one year. I just don't. I don't. But like it's it. like okay. <laughs> I'm gonna use an analogy and I'm gonna end this conversation uh, on on this particular topic, which is if you both me and you we play video games as well, right? And if you play a video game on easy mode for long enough. Your skills deteriorate. Right. You become less good at the game because you start depending on bad habits. You know, you find out the computer is susceptible to this strategy. But human beings don't behave that way. So you can't use it online. Right. You can't use it on higher difficulty levels. You can't, you know. Right. I feel like if Killian Mbappe go to Saudi Arabia for that year, he will just run away with it. What he'll do is he'll just be a speed merchant. And he'll just blow past everybody and he'll just toe tap everything in. And then he'll leave and try to go to Madrid and do that. And he can't because exactly. people are going to actually defend him in that league. Exactly. So why even do this when you have. You have Real Madrid <laughs> waiting in the wings for you. <laughs> like, I don't get it, bro. I hope that's what it sounds like in his head. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, so moving forward to some other transfer news, obviously Harry Kane to Bayern Munich still looks like a strong possibility. Money is being talked about, thrown around, contracts have yet to be signed, but I would say I'm about 70% sure this gets done. What about you? Yeah, same. I think that he wants to go to a club and say, look, we are 100% in the contention for the Champions League. They also have Mane. They have a lot of good wingers. Not anymore. Mane oh, is gone. You're right. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. Mm-hmm. Ding. Midfielders. <laughs> good <laughs> midfielders to get the ball to him. But I think in general, he's going to get his goals regardless. Um, he's getting up to that age where I think he wants to say, I want to be there at the end. Mm. Champions League, I think they have enough with the midfield. They have defenders, obviously. I think that is going to be, I think it's a move that he should do. It's around $110 million mark, so... I don't see him saying no to it, especially if Spurs can't match. Yeah, and he won't have Champions League ball. Harvey Barnes, the Newcastle from Leicester. I think it's a solid deal. Good deal. Good deal. Nothing else to really say about yeah. that. Just solid. <laughs> Just solid. Um, and then also, Wilfred Zaha to Galatasaray. A great way to signal to everyone else your career is on the downswing <laughs> is to move to Turkey. Um, no diss to to you know the Super League over there, mm-hmm. but I mean if you're going from Crystal Palace, perennial Premier League team, ain't never been relegated as long as he been there. Um, this is it. Yeah, this is it. You know what is what is what is Wilfred Zaha's legacy to you? At Crystal Palace, because obviously he's played for United, you know, then he went to Crystal Palace and, and really became the guy there. I just feel like, dude, this is just not the exit I wanted for this guy. It's, it's almost kind of sad because he's been there since around 2010. He's made 458 appearances, around 90 goals. But I know for sure he's third in their scoring all time. I think that it is it is a little awkward because I feel like we watched him for so long. And presumably the fans still loved him. He was always good on the ball. He always seemed up to it every time he was out there. And it's, it is a little bit of a of a downer to see him, especially going to Galatasaray. You would think maybe he goes to a, maybe not a contender, but maybe a mid-level team somewhere else if he just said, hey, Palace isn't it anymore. I want to go somewhere else and try something new. Like if he went to like Leverkusen. Yes, yes, somewhere like Leverkusen. That's just mid-table, but he can maybe get in that team, yeah. maybe spark them. 
But Galatasaray, you just kind of start to see him fade away, I think. And he's only 30, I believe. Yeah, so. and that's the thing that got me. It's like, yo, you only 30. You could get a big contract mm -hmm. in like a big five club still. Right. You know, even like, he, this wouldn't fly, but even like, you know, like a Juventus. Right. Like, I think he was good enough for that type of team. He used to come off the bench. Yeah. Even. Dude, if somebody said, yep, Wilfred Zaha going to Juventus, 13 million. I would see that. I would actually be like, that's a good pickup. All right. <laughs> cool. Because I'm telling him to go out there for 30 minutes and run. Run past everybody. Create opportunities. Cool. You <laughs> might mess around and get a chance to play in Champions League once. <laughs> <laughs> right, once. You know, but anyway. Uh, and last thing that we got to talk about before we end this extended version of the show. Uh, Lionel Messi. 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 <laughs> The GOAT, once again, proving why he is the GOAT, coming off the bench for Inter-Miami, which is <laughs> just never thought, I, dream. never thought I would say those words. <laughs> Lionel Messi coming off the bench for Inter-Miami uh, in a cup match against Cruz Azul, which, by the way, I love this cup competition between Same. Liga MX and, and MLS. I just think that's a fantastic idea. Comes off the bench, last kick of the game, free kick at the top of the box. You knew what was going to happen before it happened. Yep. You knew what was going to happen before <laughs> it happened. It's true enough. <laughs> I mean, bang! Bang. It was perfect. It was set up first. You have all the stars. You got the, the Kardashians, Kardashians are there. Is Serena there. is there. Everybody there. All the cameras. Tickets LeBron were a, is there. Tickets were a million dollars. You know, everyone was there. And right where it was was literally his sweet spot where he scored, what, 100 goals? You knew it was going in. And even the goalkeeper knew it was going in. He knew where it was going, and he still couldn't jump in time, even from the back view of the goal. I just think that... You know, all seriousness, I just think that Messi is, honestly, he looks happy. And I think that that's the best part. Yo, I was so, in a weird way, it was the happiest I've ever been for a millionaire. Yeah. Like, to mm -hmm. see him and he scored the goal, like, obviously scoring a late winner on the last cake of the game feels good no matter what. Right. But it felt different because it seemed like he felt good to do that then and mm -hmm. there and for that team and in that moment. And I was just like, oh, my God. Does he like America? <laughs> <laughs> it's called soccer. I'm like, bro, this is fantastic. He yeah. made David Beckham cry. Yes. This is well, this is what we wished for. I would almost add on that even the when he scored the goal, the way he runs off and looks at the at his teammate, they look like he they really care and he really cares about them. Like, come on, this is our moment. And I think that he knew again, like what he did. For that moment. I mean, he made a lot of fans that day. If you check the comments, you see all the media. Everyone talked about this worldwide. And I think that it was a lot. All the fans that came got their money's worth. And I really think that Messi, I do think he's enjoying himself. I think he looks at this and says, it's a project he knows. But I think he wants to have fun. Here's here's and here's our last my last comment. Here's what Messi did that I think a lot of other players don't understand. The American TV market. And the American media market is still by far the largest in the world by a lot. Mm -hmm. Like people do not understand how much content we consume <laughs> in America, like a lot for him to go to the MLS 
and try to elevate the stature of this particular league. He is the most beloved player in the world. He is a world figure in the vein of, not necessarily politically, but in the vein of your Jordans and Muhammad Ali's and your recognizable anywhere you put him in the world. And he made the decision to go to Miami, Florida. That says something about that league. And we know that it's not just about him chasing the bag. He has equity in the club. He is going to get, I mean, I already see him doing Hard Rock Cafe ads. Like, (laughs) he is living the American. (laughs) Yes, he was at Publix. He is living the American dream. He is doing all the things that American sports stars do. And I think it is a great sign for him personally. And I think also it will benefit the sport in the long run. Because we saw what the women did on the U.S. side for the sport and elevating the interest. We saw what the NBC TV deal did for elevating the interest in the sport. And now you have the greatest player alive in your league domestically. We see what it's doing to the ticket prices. Dude, I mean, Ronaldo miscalculated. He miscalculated. Ronaldo miscalculated. Yeah, and we can talk about that forever. That's, about if that's they for both another thing. Came. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, we gonna leave it there because I don't want to get on the messy Ronaldo conversation. <laughs> uh, while we already are hour deep into this, uh, Nolan, any last thoughts for the folks out there? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of good football that is about to come up this fall. I think the general consensus between the Women's World Cup, between the Premier League, I think that there is a lot to look forward to even in MLS. <laughs> God, never thought I would hear these words. Anyway, that is going to be it for Football Furioso. I am your host, Norris Howard for Nolan, the left back. That is going to be it. We will be back next week with another show. And don't forget, this is soccer at the speed of sound. <laughs>